Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to Rethink, a podcast where we revisit past articles from the University of Malta's Think magazine. Looking at the pioneering work we have featured in the past, we catch up with the researchers to see how far they have come since they appeared in the magazine. My name is Chris, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Diver. Hello. Today with us in the studio is uh, Antoine Gatt, who is uh, a landscape architect and an expert on green infrastructure. Hi. So we know that you have been in charge of uh, the green roof at the Faculty of Built the environment. environment. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about what's happening there and what it looks like today? Okay. So the, this project, which started off in, in 2013, it's an EU-funded project under the Life Fund. It was created to try out as a test run to say so on green roofs. We wanted to see whether green roofs would actually succeed locally. We read a lot on about green roofs abroad and how successful they are in creating sustainable uh, environments. So what we did is we wanted to test green roofs on a local uh, or rather in a local scenario here at the university. The project lasted four years apart from the fact that we tested the plants and the substrate. We also looked at insulation and flood mitigation. We also looked at biodiversity to a lesser degree, and we're pleased to say that the project was successful in terms of the deliverables and the project uh, as a whole. But if I was to visit it today, what kind of wildlife, what kind of creatures would I find? Okay, first and foremost, we have to understand that there is a correlation between the, the plants and the uh, fauna and the animals. Okay, We concentrated mainly on local plants, reason being that um, obviously there's this affinity, the, the, or rather the affinity is stronger between the, the plants and, and the fauna. So, yes, you're expected to find birds, obviously, butterflies, spiders, ants. We even had a chameleon coming into our garden, so our green roof. So it's uh, it's very rich in wildlife. And a study also showed that um, green roofs are very rich in pollinators, for example. Not just bees, but other species of insects which are considered pollinators and which are obviously important in the uh, success of the plants we, we grow as well. So could you tell us a little bit more about what green roofs are? Right. Green roofs are practically structures onto which a, uh, a substrate is spread and plants grown. Okay. They come in different forms. There are those which we call extensive and intensive, okay? And whether it's an extensive or intensive depends on practically maintenance. So an extensive green roof would be very low maintenance, very shallow substrate, very shallow plants. Whereas an intensive green roof would be a green roof with deep substrates, even up to a meter or more, you know, with a wider uh, array of plants, including trees. So in essence, it's almost like a roof garden, but it's more wild. It's the technical it's a technical word for a roof garden. Perfect. So how closely did you work with like local ecologists just to make sure that your green roofs kind of worked in this environment to its best? Obviously, we did have to look at, at the native habitats locally. I've got previous experience on uh, local habitats even as a, a, a landscape architect. It's it's uh, I think important for me uh, to understand the local habitats. We also worked as part of the project. We had partners which were into ecology and local habitats. And uh, through our collaboration, what we did is we selected 
a habitat which is very close in terms of microclimate to a roof. Okay, so we, we all know, I hope, that um, we have various habitats, but the Garig is a habitat which is very much exposed to solar energy, very much exposed to, uh, to wind and the sea salt. So we looked at that particular habitat mainly to select particular shrubs which could be eventually grown on, on the roof. So that is partly why, I guess, the project was successful in, the, in those terms. Did you face this attitude that is quite common in Malta that uh, local plants or local weeds are not pretty enough for landscaping? Well, um, we have to keep something in mind. The pretty plants that we plant in our garden are somebody else's weed. Okay, so it's not just a matter of what we call them, it's we have to look literally at the aesthetics of them. I think many of our plants are aesthetically beautiful, all right, but beauty is not just a matter of aesthetics. If one had to look at plants which are able to survive in an arid environment, okay, take three months, the three months of summer, okay, no rain, okay, and these plants are able to survive such an environment, I think that is enough beauty, you know, to get you to appreciate these plants. So uh, the term weed doesn't really come into the equation, you know, it's, it's the functionality and the ability of a plant to give you the, let's say, eco uh, ecosystem services that one requires. Let's hear more about it from uh, Things Archives. The article about green roofs appeared in the June 2015 issue of Think magazine. Green Roof Malta. In Malta, buildings cover one third of the island, leaving greenery in the dirt track. Green roofs are one way to bring back plants to urban areas with loads of benefits. Antoine Gatt, who manages the LifeMed Green Roof Project at the University of Malta, tells us more. Winter in Malta sees reasonable downpours, flooding roads turning some areas into watery wonderlands. Summer sees air conditioners being switched on with bills skyrocketing and the occasional power cut. These are common problems for highly urbanized areas with few green spaces. Flooding occurs because water cannot seep and percolate into the underlying rock. Urban areas also act like heat islands because hard surfaces absorb the sun's energy, releasing it during cooler periods that cause air temperatures to spiral upwards. Green areas reduce these problems. Malta is not the only place suffering these problems. The situation is chronic in large cities within mainland Europe. The European Commission has stepped in by issuing publications to encourage member states to move towards sustainable urban areas and is enforcing directives to reduce the carbon footprint of buildings. Green infrastructure involves making urban spaces greener to provide services to the community and increase the quality of life. It provides ecosystem services ranging from jobs to cultural benefits to aid people. Importantly, it mitigates urban problems that include flooding, pollution and the heat island effect. This infrastructure makes urban environments sustainable, providing services that are much cheaper than their costs. Germany led the way in green infrastructure with the rebirth of green roofs. Roofs covered in vegetation and growing medium. The development originally began for aesthetics and practical reasons. However, over time, roof greenings clearly started showing advantages for the whole community. Research has shown that green roofs are capable of mitigating urban-related problems and increase the quality of life. The technology has been so successful that it has been replicated on six continents. 
The majority of green roofs have been constructed in Central and Northern Europe. These countries invest the most in research into green roofs and government incentives that encourage their installation on buildings. Although gaining ground, green roof research within the Mediterranean region lags behind. Green roofs have an important part to play in making towns and cities more sustainable and better places to live in. The Mediterranean's hot climate could be mitigated with these roofs. My interest in green roofs germinated during a visit to Monaco years back. It was reinforced when I visited the Jardin Atlantique, a green roof atop the Montparnasse station in Paris, for a field trip while reading for a degree in landscape architecture. I saw the beauty of these roofs and the potential they had back home firsthand. Green roofs in Malta have never really taken off because of misconceptions and fears of flaws leading to issues like water leaks. There are other problems. Green roofs in warmer climates often report plant failure, especially when using stone crops, which are normally used in northern Europe. Water management is another issue, with Malta's poor and irregular rainfall. Another problem is that green roofs cannot use soil. Soil tends to be heavy, especially when saturated. They become compact, loose bulk, and contain silt and clays that lead to ponding, water collection. If green roof technology is to advance locally, it needs to be convenient, easy to maintain, reliable and cost-effective. To solve these problems, back in 2013, the EU's Life Plus programme funded a LifeMed green roof project to create a baseline study about green roof construction and performance in Malta. The idea is to demonstrate the potential green roofs have to solve these urban problems by reducing stormwater runoff and improving a building's energy consumption. The Faculty for the Built Environment at the University of Malta manages the project. Three other partners are involved, both Minoprio Analisi e Certificazioni and Fondazione Minoprio. Both of these are horticultural laboratories and research institutes which have ample horticultural knowledge in terms of plant choice, propagation and cultivation on green roofs. The Malta Competition and Consumers Affairs Authority will be responsible for drafting a document to set a national standard on green roof construction. Malta is not an easy climate for green roofs. There are issues with high winds and temperatures, plant choice, heavy rains and soil type. The growing medium for plant cultivation needs to be suited for Malta's climate. Rainfall is generally sporadic, heavy and concentrated over a short period of time, between late September or early October and in February. The rest of the year is very dry, so some irrigation is necessary. This weather pattern means that the media used should be free-draining, but able to retain enough moisture for plants to survive the dry months. Ideally, the growth media components should be sourced locally. Tests have been carried out on media made from locally produced compost, soft stone and hard stone aggregate, and crushed up concrete, but these were not adequate because of their chemical makeup, especially their high pH. Inert industrial waste was unavailable. As a result, materials were sourced from abroad. The use of local materials would have been ideal since they would have reduced the green roof's carbon footprint as well as reducing waste and transport costs. Our next problem to solve was which plants to use. This time, we managed to grow local. Plants are essential in making the roof look beautiful and trapping water and solar energy. Not all plants are able to survive the microclimate at roof level. The stone crops used in northern European temperate climates are not appropriate for Malta because of its semi-arid climate. On the other hand, indigenous species are adapted to local conditions and generally require less maintenance. They grow naturally in the wild. By studying the native flora habitats, we decided that plants from the Grieg habitat, stony ground with shallow pockets of soil, would be the best contenders. The Grieg habitat conditions are very similar to what plants experience on roofs. 
They tend to be exposed to high winds and solar radiation with limited soil depth. Over 15 species of native perennial shrubs were earmarked for testing. We conducted 20 test trays from recycled plastic and filled them with different types of growing material. Our horticultural partners produced them especially for Malta. They ran lab trials on many different media to identify these two specific mixes for the Maltese trial. Our Italian partners are also running parallel green roof tests in Italy. Green roof growing media is normally composed of very little organic matter. In our case, a maximum of 25%. The rest of the growing media is volcanic aggregate, ranging from 3 to 10 millimetres in diameter. The difference between the two mixes is that one has a biochar, while the other one does not. Biochar is a type of charcoal used in horticulture to enhance soil fertility. In 2014, we planted the test trays with one or two species of the selected plants. Both growing media mixes had the same plant species and planting configuration to compare the effects of the biochar and to see how the plants fare on the green roof. The plants were monitored by using overhead photography to analyse their development. To date, we've had very few losses, less than 5%. Plant development has been very encouraging. All plants have reacted well to the growing media, although growth in the biochar mix has been slow. The plants are growing healthily, especially the rock samphire, shrubby crown vetch, greater snapdragon, and the native perennial Mediterranean stone crop. The next stage, the test trays were replaced by a fully-fledged green roof. On the building of the university faculty for the built environment, a higher roof level will be used as an open-air laboratory with a public garden in the larger lower level. This garden will be open to all visitors so that everyone can appreciate the potential of green roofs in Malta. The next step will be to test just how much energy saving and stormwater mitigation green roof in Malta can achieve. The roof and underlying rooms will be monitored to see if these rooms are cooler and need less air conditioning. Water runoff will be monitored to quantify the potential green roofs have in controlling local flooding. Armed with the above data, the project will be in position to showcase roof greening in Maltese towns and villages. For green roofs to be effective, the area they cover needs to be large. A single green roof will only benefit the owner and maybe neighbours. The greatest hurdle for green roofs is whether households and businesses will buy into this technology. Cost is the main stumbling block, although private individuals, educational institutes, design professionals and corporate bodies have already approached us. Cost depends on the type of green roof, whether intensive or extensive, and the plant choice. The initial capital should be recouped relatively quickly. A green roof would increase the property value and the value of nearby properties. In Paris, the rent of the apartment buildings around the Montparnasse station skyrocketed after the Jardin Atlantique was built. After cost, irrigation is the second hurdle. Water is needed to maintain a healthy plant community. Summers in Malta are long and dry. Whichever plants are used, irrigation is required, and this might be a drawback for buildings without water systems or wells. However, water needs depend on the plant species used, with native vegetation generally requiring less irrigation. Our tests are showing that plant cultivated in the biochar growing media require less water. At their driest, the maximum amount of water given per week to each plant is 1.5 litres. Between October 2014 and April 2015, the plants were not irrigated. However, this winter was particularly wet. But these are still promising trials. To date, the results are very encouraging. The plants are growing well and have attracted many beneficial insects. The Maltese shallowtail butterfly, numerous bees and other insects have been recorded. Green roofs might just help Malta become a cooler and more beautiful country. 
is it possible to retrofit an old roof to accommodate a, a green, green roof? roof, or is it only for new developments? All right, no, it's whether a structure is able to take a green roof or not depends mainly on the loading capacity. Okay, I've seen green roofs on carports, I've seen green roofs on a bus, I've seen roofs on a bus stop, um, so there's no limit. As long as the structure can take the weight, then you can have a green roof. Having said that, we did create green roofs, for example, on a traditional Maltese building with, with beams and, and slabs, as well as obviously modern buildings. So all that matters really is that whoever would like to, to have a green roof would first consult with a structural engineer to confirm whether that structure is able to withstand the loading. So all buildings can have some sort of green roof, but depending on the scale. This scale, yes. In fact, it would be generally it would be an extensive green roof more than anything else. And are you working on making the substrate lighter for that purpose? The substrate in itself is already light. Soil, in fact, is not the ideal substrate because it's heavy and it, it retains a lot of water in it. You know, it, it's got a lot of clays which cause problems. So we have what we call an engineered soil, which is generally lighter, it's free draining. The uh, substrate which we have made for Malta and um, through the, the LIFE project had a bit of heavy material in it to say, so in inverted commas when I say heavy, simply because we are a windy island. And if we had to have a, uh, a peat-based, for example, substrate, then most of that peat will end up in your neighbor's roof. So we had to have a substrate with or, um, uh, inorganic material, which would not move as much on a windy day. And what about drainage then? All right, a green roof is built uh, with, in a series of layers. Okay, we already said that, that the substrate should be free draining, so it doesn't retain a lot of water, then it goes through a filter, and then it goes into what we call a, a drainage module, which is practically uh, a module which allows water to pass through unhindered, so water literally runs through the drains, just like a normal roof practically, without um, having any issues of blockages or, or stagnant water on the roof. Obviously, we have to. I mean, it has to be underlined. You know, it has. We have to make an emphasis on the fact that um, the falls on the roof has have to be good. You know, um, needn't be too steep, um, but at least you don't have any ponding on on the original roof because that could create problems in the future. Is there an issue with well, all the development that's happening in Malta currently that you develop a green roof somewhere and then a taller building comes to the south of you and blocks your sun and just okay. decimates your garden? Well, it's obviously, we all know that uh, different plants require different microclimates. So obviously, if you start off with, with a very sunny uh, roof and then it becomes overshadowed, there could be uh, an issue, but generally that issue isn't that, that much of a, a problem mm -hmm. because uh, plants uh, can adapt to the situation. You might have plants which wouldn't survive in an overshadowed situation, but then other plants will will take over eventually. Well, you can always add more species of plants, you know, if uh, the situation occurs. And it's nothing different than a normal garden, you know. You could have a garden which is first, firstly uh, exposed to sunlight, then somebody builds next to you and then it's overshadowed. Then you have to adjust your species according to the microclimate. And just uh, for an indication, how many different types of plants could there be in one garden? 
It all depends on the size of the garden. Obviously, um, the bigger, the larger the garden, uh, the more species can be accommodated. But then it all depends also on the type of green roof you have. When it comes to an extensive green roof, what you want is to have something which is self-sustaining, to say. Minimal maintenance, you let the plants just grow and develop and spread as they will. You know, what you don't want is to have a monoculture where you have one species taking over all the site. Okay. If you're looking at an intensive green roof, then it's a matter of aesthetics, you know, but uh, as I said, you cannot have a, there isn't one simple recipe. It all depends on the design and, and the size of the garden. What are the real benefits of having these green roofs to the wider environment and ecology? So it's nice having kind of like this little green space that has a yeah. few bees and some birds that come to it every so often. But do you see it uh, having a wider kind of impact on the ecology of Malta? For sure, for sure. Um, not just the ecology of Malta we're talking about here we're talking about green infrastructure all right and green infrastructure tend to have multiple benefits as opposed to gray infrastructure yes so you have the benefits to the owner of the green roof you know he's got a space where to to recreate himself he has insulation then you have wider benefits uh, to the to society uh, obviously the more green roofs you have within an area the bigger the greater the benefits because green roofs are known to reduce flooding for example to lower the the ambient temperature to uh, i don't know filter out pollutants in the air so there are far uh, ranging benefits even on a regional scale to say so and then if we look at at uh, the ecology you know if you look at the ecosystems a roof could be an ecosystem in its own right and um, you're providing habitats for wildlife you're providing refuge for wildlife which obviously provide ecosystem services to us as well because if you have ladybirds you know you know that ladybirds are able to control certain pests you mm -hmm. know so obviously the more green roofs the more uh, benefits you get. And you also mentioned uh, when we spoke about it earlier that there doesn't have to be a conflict between uh, green roofs and solar panels. That this exactly, exactly. We have the, or many might have the impression that being on a sunny island, you know, that solar panels would be really great in summer, for example, when in fact, in reality, solar panels tend to be efficient up to around 24, 25 degrees. So uh, the most efficient period would be around March, you know, in, in, in spring. On the other hand, plants tend to lower down the ambient temperature because of evapotranspiration. So if one had to mix solar panels with green roofs, then what happens is that the uh, solar panels become more efficient when temperature or rather when ambient temperature exceeds to the 24, 25 degrees mark, you know? So obviously, I mean, we've seen huge projects, you know, or, or corporate buildings, you know, where you have green roofs and solar panels put together. So that's something which is of benefit to all. Have you had an assignment like that in your landscaping practice to combine these two? Not for the moment, um, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully, uh, eventually these things will, uh, will happen. It all takes time, though. Do you see, I don't know, some wider sort of community benefits for this kind of green roofs sort of project? Can it be something that the entire community can come and can benefit from it? Benefit from. Well, yes, it all depends on how you look at it. Um, obviously, we all know, I hope, that when people are within an environment which they perceive as natural, then we all know that concentration is much better, people feel more relaxed, you know. So having more green spaces within an urban area would benefit the society in general. 
If you have green roofs, for example, in schools, you know, they are a very important educational tool. You can teach whatever, you know, different subjects on, on green roofs, not just a matter of having a, a venue for a space which is nice, but even when it comes to hands-on work. Green roofs are also used to uh, uh, grow vegetables, for example, you know, so uh, we're looking here at sustainable food, you know, um, we're looking also at, at the enriching the economy, you know, diversifying labor, for example. So yes, there are a lot of benefits from a social point of view as well. It also adds a little bit more kind of an ownership to the actual kind of project Spec so it's yeah. it's like something we can look after it's something that we can benefit it's not oh it's a tank on the top of the roof or a solar panel that you leave there and you just forget about it it's something that you can tender to uh, yes for sure um if we're looking at a community roof for example then if you have a green roof on top then people can actually uh, contribute and and as you said make that f roof feel as though it's theirs you know which is obviously healthy when it comes to to society it's not just a matter of that. There's also the fact that people working together on a specific project, you know, increases social interaction, which obviously is um, considering that we are social animals, you know, it benefits us as well. So after the setup costs uh, are paid, uh, what would you say are the maintenance costs and how, how does one keep the green roof low maintenance? Okay. The amount of maintenance, as we said earlier, depends on the type of green roof, whether it's an extensive or an intensive. An intensive green roof would have roughly the same amount of maintenance that you would have on a normal garden. So so you would need to water, prune, look at, at the general health of plants, etc. When you have an extensive green roof, it could be maintenance could be as low as a few hours a month, for example, because what you're looking here, what you're looking for here is to have a uh, plants a roof which is self-sustaining you know plants grow and they mix and they die creating their own microclimate and ecosystem particularly let's hope more people get inspired to get one keep green roofs green i suppose thank you for joining us today and yes thank you anton thank you very much that was all from rethink for today tell us what you think about the episode by commenting on think um on facebook think uni on instagram or Think Unimalta on Twitter. Rethink is produced by Think Magazine in collaboration with Campus FM. If you are listening to us from outside of Malta, you can find Think on isuu.com forward slash thinkuni. Our theme music is by Princess Wonderful. You can find the link to her profile in the show notes. Your hosts, Daivara Pachkaita and Chris Stiles. Our sound technician is Carmo Grek. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening and bye for now.